Welcome to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org, or you can follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo, or on Twitter at runpaleo. I'm really excited to tell you guys about a new product or a new flavor from 3Feel, and it is chocolate flavor, and 3Feel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use during your workout. And uh, I've tested this flavor, and it tastes amazing. So if you guys are interested, uh, use the promo code 3FOlson at checkout to get 10% off. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been sending me messages on email and Facebook and Twitter asking about if I'm going to be producing these shows anymore. It's great to hear from you guys, and I think I've been able to carve out some time. Um, it's been a little difficult for me as a new dad uh, trying to figure out when I'm going to produce the shows and uh, record and everything like that. But I think I've I've been able to carve out some time and uh, be able to still have plenty of time with her and, and do the show. So uh, I'm planning on producing these on a regular basis for everyone who's interested, and uh, I look forward to connecting with you guys more. Uh, the guest for today's show is Bretta Riches, and I'm not exactly sure how I stumbled across her her site, runfourfoot.com, but I saw some interesting stuff on there, and I thought that I would have her on the show to interview her and find out more about it. Um, she's a biomechanist, and she talks a lot on her site about how to run with proper running technique using a more barefoot stride, and I thought it'd be fun just to pick her brain a little bit and uh, find out what she, if she could give us any tips for running. So thanks again for tuning in. Here's the interview. My guest today is Bretta Riches. Bretta is the founder of runfourfoot.com. She's a biomechanist, and she's specifically interested in how your mechanics of running uh, help you prevent injury. So Bretta, thanks so much for being part of the show. Thank you for having me. So, Bretta, you run the, the website runfourfoot.com. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about how you got interested in starting that up. Well, what started me to run, uh, to create runfourfoot.com was basically I was interested in foot strike mechanics and I really wanted to talk about the health benefits and performance, performance benefits of forefoot running. And I also wanted to advocate the health-harming effects of heel strike running. Also, runforefoot.com, I discuss my journey to forefoot running because when I first started running, I was a heel striker and I was battling injuries all the time. And as I researched the literature, I discovered that forefoot striking was associated with greater impact-reducing mechanisms compared to heel strike running. And when I transitioned, I found that my injuries became a thing of the past. And however, my transition was quite rocky because I had a poor understanding of what a four-foot strike actually looked like. And at my website, I define what the proper four-foot strike is because when I first transitioned, I thought that four-foot running was toe running. And I think a lot of four-foot running transitioners make the mistake of landing too high up on the toes instead of a much flatter foot placement. And I made that mistake. So I really talk about the, in detail, what exactly forefoot running looks like and the do's and don'ts of forefoot running so that people don't make the same mistakes I made during my transition process. I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how long of a process was that for you? And and when did you go uh, start transitioning? I've been running for about four years, and the first year, that's 
when I was heel striking and I was suffering a lot of injuries. Then my transition process began shortly after that. However, it took me about a good year to really figure it out because of, at the time, chi running and pose running wasn't around. So I didn't really have a good resource to learn. And I wasn't, like I said before, I, I was unsure how I should be running. I thought forefoot running was toe running. And so I, I actually dealt with uh, Achilles problems for a long time. But the big turning point for me was watching Ethiopian runners run, primarily Teranish Dababa. And I had noticed that the way they strike the ground is very passively and not high up on the toes, but a much flatter foot placement compared to how I was running. And so watching Teranish Dababa and her um, teammates really gave me a clear picture as to how I really should be running. And that really helped me tremendously. And that's when my transition really accelerated and I became successful um, in learning for running and, and injury free. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I had that same problem too, as I was transitioning to a more natural or, or a more forefoot mm -hmm. strike, I, I thought that I needed to land more on my toes and that caused mm -hmm. a lot of Achilles problems as well. So mm -hmm. what kind of advice do you have for people transitioning um, as far as how can they know where, what their foot placement should be like? The biggest mistake forefoot running learners make is that they actually drive their foot into the ground and you really, they need to remember that they must, the heel must contact the ground, but you don't force your forefoot into the ground or the balls of the foot. You don't drive the balls of the feet into the ground. It's actually a much flatter foot placement. And it literally, the movement pattern of the foot should go like that, if not like toe, heel. And that, this type of passive movement really uh, reduces loading on the Achilles tendon. And a lot of it has to do with perceptual cues. So letting your feet just fall to the ground rather than hyperflexing your toes and landing prominently really high up and just sort of almost aim for all, like a midfoot strike, but making sure that your center of pressure is just under you, the, your toes. So more on the balls of your, your foot mm -hmm. and not to force the movements, but to let the movements happen naturally. And you really want the foot to remain relaxed and, like I said, to fall to the ground. Instead of pushing hard, forcefully onto the ground, you don't want to have that forceful interaction. And the feet, essentially in forefoot running, are just platforms that prevent you from falling down. So I think a lot of transitioners make the mistake of pushing off with their toes too. So the feet actually have a much more passive role in forefoot running. And the problem with heel strikers transitioning to forefoot running is that as a heel striker, we're so used to interacting aggressively with the ground with our foot. So that's something you need to kind of get rid of that habit of forcing your foot onto the ground when the, the foot in a forefoot strike landing is um, interacting with the ground much more passively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you were dealing with a lot of injuries be before you started running this way. What sort of things mm -hmm. were you dealing with? And how did you know that, okay, this transition is, is correct and proper and going to help me? The, my biggest injury was I partially ruptured my Achilles tendon. Ooh. And yeah, and there's 
two reasons why I did that. And it wasn't because of forfeit running. It was because I transitioned improperly to forfeit running. And like I said before, I had the habit of running too high up onto my toes without letting my heel drop. And so in the beginning, my calves were shredded. I had a lot of calf pain. Then my soleus muscles were hurting. And then that's when you'll have Achilles problems because the Achilles takes on greater load because the calf musculature is weak and is torn. So that's exactly how I just overloaded my Achilles tendon because I was running around on the balls of my feet, prominently almost on my toes without relaxing my feet and letting my heel drop. And another problem that contributed to my Achilles rupture was the fact that I was, even though I was running in a like a minimalist shoe, it, the, the shoe had, it was actually the Nike Free, mm -hmm. the, um, they still have a little bit of a heel elevation. And even though it's a minimalist shoe and it's light and it's very flexible, the heel must drop to the ground. And the problem with running in a, a shoe that has an elevated heel is that the heel can't fully drop down and re reduce the load on the Achilles tendon. So it was a combination of running high up on the balls of my feet and wearing a heel running shoe that prevented my heel from dropping. And as a result, that's what actually tore my Achilles tendon partially. Thank God it wasn't a complete rupture because that's that would have been really bad. <laughs> so how long was that recovery then? The recovery wasn't that long about um, a month actually. And the swelling, it looked like my ankle had swallowed a softball. The swelling was this big and the best treatment method to combat Achilles injury is to do eccentric heel drops. And basically that's what forefoot running is, isn't it? The action of lowering of the heel is an ex eccentric heel drop. And I switched to a minimalist shoe with uh, like a zero drop minimalist shoe. And I actually ran. I did the run walk thing until uh, the pain subsided. And I actually ran with the injury because it's important to do heel drops because what happens is, is that when the Achilles is torn, there's a recruitment of certain collagen fibers that actually create a very tight matrix of scar tissue. And what happens is, is that if you ice the Achilles injury, and you completely immobilize it, what happens is that you lose the range of motion. So by doing eccentric heel drops via forefoot running and a minimal shoe, that eccentric action of dropping the heel actually breaks up the scar tissue. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so your <laughs> website is devoted to helping people run faster and run with less injuries, but you... Mm -hmm. You've kind of been through it all, and, and you know that mm -hmm. transitioning can actually cause injuries as well. So mm -hmm. what do you recommend that people do? Do they need a coach to help watch them, or can they do this by feel? It's, it's actually by feel, and a lot of it is forgetting what uh, the conventional biomechanics tell you. Because really, if you look at how Ethiopian runners run, especially the female runners, they run completely differently than... Uh, non-African elite distance runners like they have higher arm carriage they look at the ground when they run they never look straight ahead they don't run upright so their mechanics allows them to interact much safely or safer with the ground and they have a more glide-like stride and a lot of it has to do with just letting your body do what it wants but to focus more on foot strike and you don't need a coach to learn for but running it's just 
you have to understand that you can't be interacting forcefully with, with your feet. And as long as you can let go of the concept of it's not toe running and just to try to adopt a much flatter foot placement and by wearing uh, a zero drop minimal shoe so that it allows you to feel the ground. I recommend barefoot running as a transition tool, like graded barefoot running, because that optimizes sensory feedback. And that's what I use to perfect my, not honestly perfect, but that's, that really helped me learn forefoot running a lot quicker. But like I said, I think the, the learner needs to understand exactly what a forefoot strike is. Mm-hmm. And that's where it all starts. So it's a lot of people say, oh, I ran on my toes and I got hurt. But that's what they were doing is they were running on their toes. And if you watch a lot of the Ethiopian runners like Tiranish Sababa and Haley Gaber Selassie, it almost looks like they're midfoot striking because an actual forefoot strike is so it's much more flatter than what many people think. Mm-hmm. So it's having the uh, it's having the right comprehension of the four foot strike, and, and when you understand it, then anyone can learn it. But obviously, you need to do so very gradually. So too much too soon was my problem. Mm-hmm. And if they if people just sort of took their time, and a lot of runners don't have mod- moderation in their vocabulary, so it's just a matter of when you're learning a new running condition. You have to take it one step at a time, and but you really have to focus on relaxing, and you need to think about how the ground makes your legs feel, and that's probably the best way to learn forefoot running because despite surface hardness, the ground should feel soft regardless, and I think a lot of problems too is that um, forefoot running learners run too slow because forefoot running is meant for faster running, and I think if you don't plan on running faster than an eight minute mile, then um, four for running is uh, it's something that you have to run quicker with. It's not for jogging. And I think a lot of people are a little too nervous to start at first four for running because they want to start slow, but really it, the faster you run, the softer the ground actually feels. Mm-hmm. So if, if, you're, if you're running at a slow pace, let's say you're just on an easy run, Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to adjust your stride differently? Does it matter mm-hmm. where you're contacting the ground with? Um, actually, no. Like, um, it, the contact, the, the ground contact of the foot stays the same. It doesn't change. But you'll find that when you are running slow, you will get the urge to lean a little bit more. A lot of, I get a lot of emails saying it's hard to run slow because forefoot runners, how they run is that they tend to have a, a forward lean. And some learners hold back a little bit. They break because they're, if you kind of let yourself go, you'll run a lot quicker. And I think if you open up your stride too, that really helps. Um, sometimes if you think too much about your form, like uh, shorting, shortening your stride or increasing your step rate, I think if you just let it happen naturally, it will release a lot of muscular tension and you won't be as overwhelmed. So, um, yeah. for, yeah, so. Well, I was just going <laughs> to chime in there in, in that I think you're, you're saying that, you know, just listening to your body is really helpful. And, and one of the premises <laughs> of this show is, is that our body has evolved over millions of years and it knows what to do if you just let it. So, for example... I think uh, your advice to take off your shoes and try it barefoot 
is is really good because you get a lot of that extra sensory not extra sensory but sensory feedback from your foot that you wouldn't normally get say if you're wearing something like a Nike free even though right. it's a minimalist shoe supposedly it you, you still are able to run incorrectly because it has that extra cushioning underfoot mm-hmm. I actually ran in the Mizuno Wave Universe 3 which are very minimal and they're designed for heel strikers and I didn't know that but I looked at the wear pattern of my shoe and I was uh, landing on my heel or I was making contact with my heel aggressively and I didn't even know even though it is a minimalist shoe and it is a zero drop shoe but there's still a lot of material under the foot and it really inhibits the proprioception that you need to nail your a correct forefoot strike but I tend to be careful with using the term barefoot running because a lot it turns a lot of runners off because a lot of runners, same with forefoot running, when they the barefoot running, the barefoot running movement emerged, runners just dove into it and got injured and said, "Oh, that's crazy. Humans aren't meant to run barefoot on pavement." But really, we can run barefoot on pavement because if you run with a forefoot strike, the impact transient isn't produced. Do you run barefoot now, or what? What sorts of shoes are you wearing? Um, I actually wear the Vibram Five Fingers, and. It took me a while to transition to them. Um, I Before the Vibram Five Fingers, I wore the Puma H-Streets, which are a great shoe to begin forefoot running because they're flat and they're very cushiony. So they really provide protection. But um, now I, I did use barefoot running to refine my technique. And so... After about a good year of running in the Puma A streets, I was afraid of getting injured, which is why I didn't want to. I've always wanted to run in the Vibram Five Fingers, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at that point where I can run in the Vibram Five Fingers 13 to 15 kilometers a day, and, and I don't feel any pain. And it's because I've learned to listen to my body and make the appropriate adjustments on my own instead of letting the shoe work for me. Mm-hmm. So, right. So you're up in Canada. How how is that with the weather up there in the Vibram Five Fingers during the winter? It's cold, <laughs> and we have where I live. Luckily, there's an indoor track. Okay. So and it's open to the public and it's free. So that's where I usually go if the weather gets too cold. But um, it is pretty cold. I'm looking to get a pair of those Ninji socks. So hopefully, maybe they might help with the cold a little bit. But surprisingly. How's- Oh, pardon? How's the weather up there right now? Cold. <laughs> it's cold and rainy. So it's um it's getting colder too every day. So and then the snow's gonna come. But I this is my first year running in the Vibram Five Fingers, so um I haven't really actually no, I just started running in the spring. So I actually haven't wore the Vibram Five Fingers in the winter. Okay. So mm-hmm. I hopefully I'll stay warm somehow. So you said that you you started out with the Puma H streets and those were okay because they had some cushioning but they were a flat design. So mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is that it's okay to have cushioning as long as it doesn't alter your your stride too much. Yeah, um, it's the, you want to feel everything you step on, and in the Puma H streets you can feel every pebble, and that's what you want. You want to be able to step on something sharp and say "ow." And so the Puma A Streets has a nice balance of pr- protection because some people just don't like the way a hard road feels. And that's why some people 
who wear the Vibram Five Fingers say, oh, I just want something that has a little bit more cushion. And I think the Pume Streets is the answer because you can still feel all the surface irregularities and you can still respond, but it provides just the extra layer of protection. And so that's, uh, but you don't want to go any more in terms of cushioning than the, the Puma H streets, because that's, you don't want to be making your landings too soft because, uh, that actually, um, hinders stability. You actually want like the harder the surface, the better, and the harder the sole, the better. So, because okay. that'll give you uh, more dynamic stability. Okay. And have you noticed that your running improved since you switched to this style of running? Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% because, first off, I wasn't sore and I'm not nursing injury. So, I'm running consistently. When I was a heel striker, I was sore all the time. So, I was taking a lot of time off to recover. And then I would suffer an injury, and then uh, that really delayed my training. But with forefoot running, the one thing that I've noticed is that I'm not sore before and after and during my runs. So the recovery time is much short, and I've noticed huge performance gains because of the fact that I can train consistently and the fact that forefoot running it just enables you, because there's less resistance, and you have more forward momentum. It allows you to run faster. And that's why a lot of the elite runners have a forefoot, land with a forefoot strike because there's no braking and it's, uh, there's a lot less joint loads and torque. Okay. So, so I saw mm-hmm. on your Instagram profile that you've actually had a, first, a few first place finishes. What are some of the mm-hmm. times that you've been running? Um, one of my times was 45 something. I forget. Just around 45 minutes, but when I was a heel striker for, that was for a 10 K. Um, when I was a heel striker for a 10 K, I'd run about 57 minutes. So I've come a long way. And for an eight K, my, I set a PR for 35 minutes. So from 40, I think 47 minutes. So I'm improving significantly. And that's just within the last year. And that's just with transitioning after transitioning to forefoot running so i've noticed huge improvements and during the races the, it doesn't feel like i'm working any harder mm. so it's not as if oh i was dying i mean i was actually surprised when i saw my time because it, i to me it just i feel um much smoother when i run it doesn't i feel more effortless so mm-hmm. and how about your training what kind of training are you doing to achieve those times um i don't I don't stretch. I don't do drills or anything like that. I just run. And what works for me is speed and training volume in terms of like distance. So I run every day and I don't take a break because I'm never sore mm-hmm. and I don't feel it. And so every day, like my legs feel fresh and that's pretty much what I do. And I listen to my body. Basically when I'm running, it's one big drill to monitor my form. Because I'm still learning, even though I think that I've, it, I think that I've done quite well. But there are still things that I like to work on to improve my form, help me relax. Because the faster you run, you have to get used to a new pace. So you need to make the neuromuscular adaptations to to run at that new pace. So that's when you need to work harder to really monitor your mechanics and to make sure you're landing softly and you're not overdoing it. Mm-hmm. So what you mentioned speed work, what are you doing for speed work? 
basically, I, I do a lot of 400 meter repeats. They're my favorite because I like going all out, not sprinting, but I like speed. So I do maybe rough 15 by 400 meter repeats is that's my favorite mm-hmm. or 10 by 800 meter repeats. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the intervals. And that's what I benefit from. I know everyone has their own learning curve with respects to training, but that's just something that I've benefited from. And to get faster, you need to run faster. So I don't, I'm not a fan of the long, uh, slow distance runs because I don't want to get used to slowing down again. Like I want to try to adopt it a quicker pace, which feels a lot different. Like in a race, you tend to run faster and you know you're running faster and you're not used to it. So the goal for me is just to align my body to um, adopt a new pace, a quicker pace. So that's why I'm a big fan of the speed work. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about four foot strike. What about other parts of your body? What should you be doing with your arms? Your arms, and I've researched the heck out of this, and your arms actually don't play a big role in running. What they really are is their effective mass for balance. And what I was told, many coaches will say, your arms should be kept down at your sides and should swing from your shoulders, and you should have an elbow angle of a 90-degree angle. But if you look at a lot of, again, Ethiopian runners, they all have much higher arm carriage and they don't really have an arm swing. They have more of a shoulder swing. They have a lot more upper body rotation. And for me, when I forget, when I stop thinking about arm swing, because when you run, you can only think about one thing at a time. It's really difficult to think about five different things about your mechanics when you're running. It gets very overwhelming and frustrating So for me, I just focus on my foot strike and I let my arms counterbalance my legs because that's what they do. When you think about your arms, your mind diverts away from focusing on your your foot strike. So when you move your arms and and you force a movement in your arms, what's going to happen is is that your legs are going to follow the movement path of your arms. So it's best to focus on your foot strike and let your arms kind of work in the background as effective mass. And how I learned to run, um, well, I found my arm swing just, I would carry my arms in a way that felt comfortable to me instead of going by what the standard conventional biomechanics suggests, running kind of robotic. Um, but to me, that never worked for me. It felt very awkward. So I, like I said, I learned a lot from Turnish Dubaba and, and her, um, and like Mesret Tafar and other Ethiopian female distance runners because they all run with really high arm carriage and that worked for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think arm carriage is something that's kind of overrated and it's not that big of a deal. I think if you focus too much on your arm swing, you'll forget about what the rest of your body is doing, particularly your feet, which is what you should be focusing on. That's the most important thing because that's where all the problems start. Mm -hmm. So aren't your arms don't pump them because that just wastes energy and it's best just to keep your arm swing, just do what feels natural, let your body flow. And that's what has worked for me. And that's when all my problems went right away. As soon as I just forgot about everything, focused on my foot strike and relaxing and forgot about my arm swing, what my arms were doing. And that let my body move. I found my own flow. I moved naturally. So that really, that's when I noticed big improvements. 
Okay. So let's say uh, people are listening to this and they're and they're thinking, okay, this sounds great. I want to give this a try. Mm-hmm. Um, how much can they start out with? What do you have any recommendations? Like, should they start out with a mile or, or, you know, what about what about distance? Do you have any recommendations there? It depends on where you are. Like, if you're a midfoot striker, then it depends on like your your fitness level too. Depends on your running experience. If you're a heel striker that's something they might need a little bit more time so they'd have to ease into it because you really need to let go of all your your heel strike habits. So it's best to start off with drills first. And I recommend even reading pose running and chi running. That's how kind of what got me started. And you want to start off with doing barefoot drills first and then just learning to relax. And there's really no limit. Like just with anything, when you start something new, you want to ease into it. But definitely the run-walk thing is, is very important. It's fundamental. You don't want to be maintaining the same training volume um, as your old style of running when you're learning a new style of running because that's how people get injured. And so you have to do it very gradually. But the run-walk approach is, is really good to get started. And just listen to your body. And if something cramps up or if you feel a, like a, a pull somewhere – or something, uh, you know, a sharp pain, then you really need to stop and assess what, where that pain is. And sometimes it's best just to just stop there. But the best approach is to start off, you're right, a mile and then walk for however long. Just do what you feel comfortable with. And if you think you can do more and you really monitor how you're interacting with the ground, then you can definitely increase your mileage in between intervals. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Bretto, we're coming up to, to the end of the show, and I've got a new segment called The Magic Mile. And mm-hmm. my question for you is, if you had three months to train and just do nothing but train for the next three months, you didn't have to worry about your bills or anything, what do you think you could run one mile in as fast as possible? As, um, my time? Yeah. Um, Like a five-minute mile, maybe less than that. <laughs> I don't know. Five-minute mile? Okay. How about 4.59? Sure. All right. Well, we'll put you up on the leaderboard then on, on that page on my website. And uh, I, where can people go to find out more about you? My website, runforfit.com. And that's pretty much, you'll know my research and the objective of runforfit.com. And you learn more about the difference between forefoot running and, and heel striking and my journey as well and uh, proper footwear. And that's pretty much where you can contact me is, is my website. Great. Well, thanks so, so much for being part of the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, if you guys like podcasts, you're also going to like audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download by going to audibletrial.com slash paleo runner. They have over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. They have great apps that you can download to your phone and listen to your audiobooks on the go. I listen to audiobooks as I'm driving to and from work. Uh, Lately, I've been listening to How Adam Smith Can Change Your Life, An Unexpected Guide to Human Nature and Happiness by Russ Roberts. If you're interested in getting a free audiobook download, go to audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. 
once you're there, you can sign up for a free audiobook. And if you decide not to continue with the service, you can cancel or you can just get your free audiobook and uh, you, you can take it with you and you'll, you'll have it. Uh, you actually can download it to your computer or to your phone or, or through the app. So go to audibletrial.com slash paleorunner and get your free audiobook.